could tell of the story when the thousands were fed, when he lifted the sick, when he raised up the dead. I could sing of the others like the blind made to see.
last little bit been looking through the life of David and man I've got bogged down over here sort of got off the main the main points that I was dealing with before about David's early years his adolescent years and his adult years then we hadn't even got to the ancient years yet we're still just sort of dealing with his ruling 
uh, here in 2 Samuel chapter number 13, but I hope it's been a help. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. There's a lot of lessons that we can learn by way of application to David and his family, and there's some warning signs that'll pop up, boy, that we ought to pay attention. And, you know, I don't know when they, all these bridges going to get, get completed and fixed, Spear Bridge Road and uh, down here at Donahall, you drive. I guess there must be a seasoning period on them pillars or something of concrete because they're doing absolutely nothing on them. But, you know, there's still some, if you look, you know, there's some barricades there, and there might even be some warning signs. I wouldn't want to get caught. They said somebody the other day was jumping off a bridge down there. Don't, I, I, listen, don't do that. Don't do that at all. Jumped off first time, and I think he was going to do a second take, and they arrested him. I believe I heard about that. I don't know, but you know, I'm getting a nod on the head, so it did happen. That wasn't a myth, and uh, it was not a fairy tale. But anyhow, there's warning signs all around us you get on the road. Here recently, they've got these big billboards. You know, you go down 421, if there's an amber alert or something, there's something flashing, or or maybe a silver alert for somebody that's missing, maybe an adult, and, and they'll put the license plate. And there's warnings and about different things. I know when you go out towards St. Louis, and it's been like that for about 10 years, they got a certain bridge that is closed there off of I-64, if you go to that particular area. And it tells you long before you get there that the bridge is out. That's, it's not a good time to try to cross the bridge that ain't there. But there's warning signs that come across all the time. Um, I got in a truck the other day, and that little, that little light with the little squiggly thing in the middle started flashing. And I knew instantly that I had a, a tire deal. The, the, the air pressure was low. So I went and put some air pressure in it, and it took care of the warning. But all those warning signs and labels are, are designed for a reason. Well, God lays out a lot of warnings in His Word as well. And you think about the life of David. Again, one of my heroes, David, according to God's definition of him, 1 Kings 15 and verse number 5... David made one fatal mistake, and that's when he committed that adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and eventually had her husband, Uriah, killed there in the forefront of the battle. Now, directly, David wasn't involved, but indirectly, he sent the letter that Uriah carried to Joab, and Joab put Uriah right in the front battle so he would be killed. And David thought he had it all covered up for about a year. Well... Now listen, God loved him enough, though, that he sent a man of God by the name of Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter number 12 to tell him that thou art the man. And as a result of that, he told him in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 10, that the sword would never depart out of his house. This past Wednesday night, I believe it was, we looked at, at the fourfold restoration process that David had to fulfill because of that sin. And boy, you know what? The devil always paints a beautiful picture. And he wants you to make a decision and follow his will, not God's will. But when you do, consequences do apply. And that corn that you plant in the ground, if you plant it today, don't expect to harvest tomorrow. But if you plant that in the ground, there'll be an incubation period. But rest assured, Galatians 6, 7, still in the Bible, may still be on the sign. Out there, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whether you sow good, whether you sow bad, it's going to come up. It might not be tomorrow, but rest assured, friend, it'll come up. You can't cover it. You can't hide it. David thought he did. Numbers 32 and verse number 23 still said, Be sure your sin will find you out. You say, Preacher, you know, I got some stuff you don't know about. Mom and Dad don't know about. My girlfriend, my boyfriend, my husband, my wife, my children, my parents, they don't know what's going on. I'll tell you, there's a God in heaven that knows. And rest assured, that seed will come up. There's consequences to our decisions. David paid a heavy price for his sin. That baby was that first little lamb that was, that was slain. Then you got Amnon that was killed, and we won't even get into that, into that particular part here in chapter number 13, but he was killed. You'll see Absalom, he was killed. And then later on, Adonijah was killed. I, I tell you, if you was the son of David, it started with A, using troubles, all I can tell you. But all those deaths of his children were a direct result of David's sin. No way you can get around it. Now, we in the culture in which we live, we don't like to talk about evil. We don't really like to talk about wrong, or we don't want to offend anybody. But listen, sin is still in the Bible. There's still a curse to sin. There's a payment, and there's a payday that is coming one day to those who commit transgressions and commit sin. And David was a man after God's own heart. Now listen, God still used him. You go back to chapter number 12. God forgave him of all of his sin. I say to God be the glory that God's forgiven us and loosed us from that sin. But those consequences to his decision 
Jesus still apply? Amen. Amen. Perfect example, we support uh, certainly the prison ministry, Rock of Ages. We've got several uh, that we support. We pray for those folks. And we believe in sending folks in to preach unto the incarcerated. You go into the incarceration, all right, let's say one of those guys or, or one of those ladies gets saved. We say to God, be the guard. Their soul is saved, but they still got to pay a price for their sin. You see what I'm saying? And the same holds true here, even with God. Constantly, I wish we would think more about what we do before we do it. And I'm preaching to myself, all of us, they ain't, they ain't no big guys and little use, man. We all made out of the same stuff. They ain't none of us no better than David was. There's only one perfect man, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank God he bore my sin. He didn't have any sin when he went to Calvary, Brother Randy. But thank God he bore my sin so I could be saved and set free from sin. But none of us are above this thing of falling into sin. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. I'm still building a little foundation. The Bible said, Wherefore, uh, if a man thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. In other words, don't, don't set yourself up and say, Well, you know, I, you know I'm, I've been saved 20 years. I've been saved 30 years. I don't have to worry about it. No, you, ne- you never get to that point where you don't have to worry about it. You've got to be conscious. Because there's a devil, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary has a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. What does a lion do? Just look at their traits. You can watch those African channels, Discovery, or whatever it is, uh, Animal Planet. They'll have those big, those big. Uh, uh, they're not called a harem, but whatever that is, the pride. The pride of those lions, they'll go out. And they'll, they'll, they'll be right, right on the outside of these wildebeests, these little gazelles, and all those little animals. They won't go after the fastest animal or the strongest. They'll pick out one that's got a limp. They'll pick out one that's got a defect a little bit or, or gets isolated from the pack. And that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll focus in. They'll hone on on that weakness. And I'll tell you what, friend. Listen, Jesus told his disciples, the three inner circle, Peter, James, and John, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, hey, you better watch and pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And they didn't have enough concern to stay and pray. They fell asleep. I'm afraid there's a lot of slumbering amongst God's people even some 2,000 years later from that. Amen. You get in trouble when you fall into sin because you lose your focus. You get focused on everything else but the Lord. And you're, you, you get sort of on outside uh, uh, from God's people and, and from the things of God. And just as that line pounces on that weakness, He will pounce on us. But it shouldn't take us by surprise because God gave us a warning. Some stuff I've already given you already, but David was a man after God's own heart, and he's still paying for the price. When we read about this text in 2 Samuel chapter number 13, this was a direct result of David's sin. Now Amnon and Absalom, all these were personally accountable to God, but I believe they had a lot of, uh, they had a lot of eyewitness, I guess, account from their father, because her father had committed that transgression. By the time you go from chapter 12 to chapter number 13, there's a lot of time has elapsed right there. Now, you know it wasn't the next day. Because chapter number 12, after God judged him and that baby died, the Bible said that David went in and comforted Bathsheba, and she conceived and bare a son, and his name was Solomon. And if you didn't sure Solomon was, was born probably in some of the latter years of David, but you know when you get into here and they start talking about Amnon, the firstborn, and then it talks about Absalom, which was the thirdborn of David. These were not children. Tamar was not a little child. They were on up in age. They might have been teenagers, but they at least on up there about 17, 18, 19, at least 20 years old, maybe older than that. But as we look at this, and I'm all, I know we got tender ears in the audience today, and I'm just going to read the scripture. I'm not going to elaborate. If you want some further elaboration of what's going on in this text, you can see me after the service, but I am going to be respectful of that with our tender ears. But yet, we still need the Bible. This is the message God has laid on our heart for this hour. And there's consequences to sin. And this is a direct result of David's relationship with Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah, sin has a far-reaching effect. It even transfers even to the next generation. You just look at the life of David. You can't refute that fact, the consequences of sin. Notice 2 Samuel 13. The Bible said, and it came to pass after this. After what? Well, that's after chapter number 12. And, of course, David was in Joab was warring against the Ammonite. There was a war against the Ammonites. And the Bible said, after this, 
that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Jonadab was a very subtle man. So this Jonadab, he's the first cousin of Amnon. Well, notice in verse number 4, he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, Let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. Now, I'm glad that I don't have too many friends like that. The Bible said in Proverbs 27, verse number 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A true friend's going to tell you the truth. And this old guy was a very subtle man, according to the Word of God. And boy, he gave some bad counsel and bad advice. And we'll hit on that a little further in a minute. But look at verse 6. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. So he's following that counsel. He's following that ungodly and unrighteous uh, wisdom and, 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 and proposal that was given to him. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. When the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring me the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. Now keep in mind, Amnon is the half-brother of Absalom and Tamar. Tamar and Absalom were full blood relatives. Their mother's name was Micah. We'll read about that in just a minute. Uh, she was a Geshurite, a royal tribe, by the way. She was unsuspecting in all this. But Amnon, this is his half-sister, Tamar, that has come in. He's requested. He, is, he said he loved her, but that, that wasn't no more than lust. He didn't love her, but he lusted after her. But she's unsuspecting. And the Bible said in verse 11... When she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly, and I whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me, from these, she's trying to find a way out. She's isolated with her half-brother. All the men have been summoned out. She's isolated with Amnon. She's trying to get out of there some way, some, some shape, form, or fashion. But verse 14, Howbeit he, that being Amnon, would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Now let's pray. Fathers, we bow, God, in your presence, Lord, again this morning. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege just to preach and to stand behind this sacred desk. Thank you, Lord, for the good songs of Zion. Thank you. You have been good to us. But, Lord, I understand the, the sincerity of this moment. I understand the, the conviction of this service this morning. Lord, no doubt, as we deal with sin, I pray, God, that you would empty me of any thoughts, anything that would hinder this service. God, right now, I pray that you'd use us. Help me to be that mouthpiece that you placed before us. I pray that you'd help us say nothing that be contrary to the will of the word that is laid before us. God, I pray there's one soul here today that's unsaved and prepared for eternity. God, I pray that you'd save them while there's still time and opportunity. I pray for the child of God may have some of those secret sins 
seeing some things that they're dabbling in they don't need to be dabbling in. Oh, God, I pray that you'd arrest that heart today. Do what's needed and necessary. Have the preeminence in this service. We'll be careful. And when the smoke settles and the dust clears to give you all praise, honor, and glory, we ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people see it. Amen. We've read this text, a very sad text it is, by the way, as we look at the life of Amnon, and we hear this description of what has taken place here, but I go back and I refer you back. You don't have to turn. I've already said it, but you can go back to 2 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 10. As David was confronted in his sin about Bathsheba and the death of Uriah, Nathan hit the nail on the head as he's presenting the message unto David in 2 Samuel 12 verse Verse number 10, the Bible said, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. We're just reading here in 2 Samuel chapter number 13. Whose house is this? This is the offspring of David. Yeah, there were some full relatives involved with, with Absalom and Tamar. They had the same mom and same dad. But Amnon was, was born of Ohio Noam. And, and we'll read about that here in just a second. She was a Jezreelitess. And here this half-brother commits this awful thing that takes place. And it reminds me that sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will make you pay a whole lot more than you ever want to pay. And sin will always make you stay longer than you intended on staying. Amnon, it started up here. And you know that's where sin starts. It's up here. You go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and you know that they say, well, I thought it started in the heart. Well, listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 4, 3 or 4, it said, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid unto them that are lost, whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. A lot of times it starts up here, and then it works its way into the heart. Boy, it's important what we think about. Very important what we take in. Think about that, that air conditioner on the, on the vehicles. They got those little cabin filters. Those things need to be changed after a certain period of time. Even the air filters that, that goes into the engine, Brother Brandon will tell you, they need to be changed because of that intake. It's sucking in all those impurities, and those impurities will stop up the engine. I tell you, those impurities that come into these eyes and our ears and even into our mouths, man, you better stay far away from that stuff. It'll get us thinking about things we ought not be thinking about. Amen. And if sin will start that way. And Amnon, he didn't realize the price that he would have to pay. David didn't realize the heavy price that his sin would pay. And all this is the sword. If I could preach, we're preaching on the life of David. But it'd be the devouring sword that was promised upon David and upon his house. The consequence of his sin. It's like a snowball rolling down the hill when you see Amnon and later on Absalom and all the things that come to pass it all was a direct result of David's sin again Amnon personally responsible to God Absalom personally responsible to God I'll be personally responsible to God you'll be personally responsible to God but I we don't need no help along the way we can be one of two things we can be a stepping stone getting folks close to God or we can be a stumbling block and cause folks to stumble and fall Think about John of Dab. That's what he was. He was a stumbling block. He wasn't no stepping stone. But when you look at this, there are several things. And, and this will be a little more detailed message than I normally preach on a Sunday morning. But it is what it is. I'm going to give you about six or seven points as normally I do. And we'll just, maybe it's more of a teaching side of things. But I want you to get this. To see the severity of what's going on in this text. I label all these. They all start with P. But if you want to label this in, in sort of an order... I would say that we see the princess first and foremost in verse number 1. Well, who is the princess? That is the daughter of David and also of making. Look with me in verse number 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. 
Now, according to the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 3, the Bible he talks about those sons that were born unto David in Hebron. And he talks about the first one and the second one. Well, the third one was Absalom. For the Bible said in 2 Samuel 3 and verse 3, And the third, Absalom the son of Micah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. Now, basically, Absalom... And Tamar, they were full-blood relatives. David was their dad. Micah was their, uh, was their mother. And according to the Word of God, Micah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, both of them had royal blood running through their veins. There was King David and there was King Talmai. That was the relationship. And here they are, both of these kids had royal blood on each side. Now, it's interesting. You look at verse number 1. Tamar is described as fair. Now, look at the contrast. Look at verse 14. She goes from being fair to being forced. You see that? She was fair. And then by the time you get to the end, she was forced and Amnon lay with her, and it was not welcomed by her whatsoever. Again, I know we got sensitive ears, but I don't know how I said I'm not going to elaborate on that, but just understand this was a tragic, tragic situation, and this was a princess. Tamar, according to the Word of God, the Bible said was a, was a virgin. Look at verse number 2. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for her, his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. So she was a virgin. And then look with me uh, also in verse number 19. We didn't read it. But after this has transpired, the Bible said in verse 19, And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her. We know according to the Bible she was a virgin. We know that she had this garment. It reminds us of Joseph of the coat of many colors. She had this garment that she was easily recognized everywhere. She was, she was fair to look upon as Absalom was, according to the Scripture. She was fair, but she ended up being forced. But when you look at these things, she was easily recognized because of that garment. Hey, that's the, that's the king's daughter. We know she was a virgin, so she would have been protected. I mean, how you, why do you think it ended up and he's connived to plan to try to get her alone and asked all the men, all the, uh, the chaperones to leave because he thought it hard to get to her. That's what we read about in verse number 2. But he devised this plan and it comes to pass as we read in front of us. But here's the princess that was fair to look upon. She was protected because of her virginity. She was easily recognized with this garment of many colors so we could talk about the princess here but notice i call this second part the progeny p-r-o-g-e-n-y you say man what in the world is that well, that's none other than a descendant or an offspring notice as we read on in verse number one and it came to pass after this that absalom the son of david had a fair sister whose name was tamar so here's the princess but notice as we read on and amnon the son of david loved her Amnon is the progeny. Who is the progeny? He's the firstborn of King David. He's heir, Brother Brandon, to the throne. The firstborn usually was given all the, the inheritance. The kingdom was designed, desired to be. He is because he was the firstborn. How do we know he was the firstborn? Again, you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 3 of those sons and children that were born to him while David was king in Hebron for seven and a half years. The Bible said this in 2 Samuel 3 and verse number 2. And unto David were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelite. So here's the progeny, this descendant, this heir, this offspring. So here's the Basically, got two main players in our text. Well, really three if you count Jonadab with the verse, through verse number 14. But you got Tamar, which is a princess. You got Amnon, which is a progeny, the offspring of David, the firstborn. But notice as we read on here in verse number 2, notice I call this the perversion. Because that's, that's all you can say about it. Look at verse 2. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister. This is half-sister. Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought, again, there it is in the mind, thought 
it hard for him to do anything to her. Why is it? Well, she's protected because of her virginity. She's wearing this, this garment of many colors. She's protected by the king. She had her own dwelling. You see, the king's wives, they probably had their own. And most historians of that day, the Bible really doesn't tell us, but a lot of the historians of that day said that many of the king's wives would have their own personal dwelling. So all of their children, Ahinoam and, 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 of course, Abigail, these others that had children by David, they had their specific place and their children would be there. So she was protected. David would make sure that they were took care of. He would be unsuspecting about Amnon doing anything to his half-sister. That's why we call it the perversion. Now, notice you think, what is perversion? That's sexual behavior or desire that is considered abnormal or unacceptable. Friend, there's a lot of perversion today. There's a ton of perversion. It comes in many forms. It comes in forms that we didn't even know about 10 years ago. And we're on a downhill slide, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. I, and, and we're not rolling uphill righteously. We're rolling down as fast as we can unrighteously. And, and the bad thing about it is there's way too much toleration of this stuff today, man. What one generation tolerates, the next generation is going to fully embrace. I've said it for years, and I'll say it again this morning. You can go all the way back to the hippie movement back in the 60s. It started with all that loose living and all that stuff, men looking like women, women looking like men, and now we've rolled on down the hill, that old rebellious crowd, that ungodly crowd, and we're living in the day and hour now, you don't know which bathroom to go into, you don't know to say he or him, and you can't even say yes ma'am and yes sir without somebody getting offended. Perversion. <laughs> you say that gets you fired up, preacher sure does, it gets God fired up, Amen. Perversion, considered abnormal, unacceptable. Well, think about this. In Leviticus 18, the laws of God were crystal clear. Leviticus 18, verse 11, The nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, begotten of thy father, she is thy sister, thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. But Amnon looked and he saw, because the Bible said in verse 1, she was fair to look upon. And he's vexed. He's thinking about it. It started in his mind, but he thought it hard because he knows that she's protected because of her virginity, because of that, that garment that's upon Everybody recognizes her. She can't go anywhere hardly by herself. She's got a chaperone. The king's made sure that she's protected and took care of. But oh, Amnon, in his perversion, he made a way to try to get to her. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I've already said, according to the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 3, and verse number 2, Amnon was the firstborn. But the tragedy of this, brother Ed, was that Amnon, basically, when he went after Tamar, said, well, my birthright is not enough. Now, stay with me right here now. What's that? How does that apply to me, preacher? Well, listen, when we get saved, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter number 3, you must be born again. When a person trusts Christ, thank God, we, uh, we are born, that word literally means we're born from above. We are born again. We are given a new birth. You might say, well, preacher, I ain't never been born but one time. Well, listen, friend, if that's the case, you're on your way to a devil's hell because the Bible said you must, you must, an absolute necessary that you must be born again. But once you get born again, and then we know what we're getting ready to do is wrong we go ahead and do it you know what we're really saying my birthright ain't enough does that make sense <laughs> my birthright ain't enough that's basically what Amnon is dealing with here <laughs> oh I'm gonna try to be gentle right here but listen our government's idea of behavior is so warped it's so mixed up because here's the concept, and I'm going somewhere with this. But this is what we've this is sort of humanism, as humanism has slipped in, and it's even slipped into some churches too, man. You'd be surprised, folks, maybe even sitting right beside of you. <laughs> might might have some of the same ideas as what I'm getting ready to preach against. <laughs> but you just hang on right here now. Think about the government's idea of how can we how can we address behavior? They say, well, let's print some more money. Amen. Let's print some more money. If we can get better housing, that's going to improve behavior. <laughs> if we can 
get them better paying jobs, it'll improve the behavior. If we can get them a nicer set of clothes, man, that's going to improve behavior. Well, somebody needs to let our or remind our elected officials about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve was in a perfect environment, and they messed it up. Now, before we criticize them too much, if that had been me, if that had been you, we'd have done the same thing. It's all wicked tendencies that we have. But throwing money at the situation and abundance does not change your behavior. How can you say that, preacher? Amnon was the firstborn of the king. Look at verse 8 in your Bible. The Bible said Amnon's house. He had a house. And all the sons, you read on in 2 Samuel 13. It's well documented. All the sons of the king had their own herd. Absalom had his herd up uh, around Baal Hazar. And that's where oh, Amnon finally met his end. But he had great abundance, had great wealth. But he wanted his, he could have had anybody in the kingdom but Tamar, his half-sister. The word of God was crystal clear. Leviticus 18, verse number 11, leave that stuff alone. How many times does God say, hey, you better leave that stuff alone. And we go right on and do our own thing. We got abundance. And that's the sin of the church of the Laodicean age. In Revelation chapter number 3, this is what they said. We're increased with goods and have need of nothing. And God said, knowest thou not thou wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And uh, I believe that's the sin of the generation we're living in today. Of the church age day. I'm increased with goods. Have need of nothing. Live as you please. Do as you please. And don't worry about it. But God said there's consequences. <laughs> there's payment to sin. Amnon would not deny himself in spite of all the advantages he had as king. Now, we've got to understand we need to predict. We need, we, we're basically, we're a product of our thought life. Now, I've already hit on that a little bit, but I want to give you some Bible to back that up. Proverbs 23 and verse number 7, the Bible said, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You go into the New Testament, I preached on the, 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 the power of our mind numerous times, but in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 5, it said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Where did this perversion come from to the firstborn? Basically, he said, you know what? I, I, I've got all the advantages. I've got my own house. I've got my own sheepfold. i got this, that. i got the best of the best. And it still wouldn't enough. You can throw all the money in the world you can against people. But listen, that behavior ain't going to change. Son, until that heart gets changed. And that's where the perversion came. Did you know something? <laughs> I may not get done with just this point, but it'll be all right. We'll come back tonight, Lord, when it'll be more positive, maybe. But understand that when it comes to our thought process, we're a product of our thought life. Now, when we have controlled thoughts, that'll lead to victory, and we can become a victor. If we control our thoughts. And we all have to do that. I could do one thing right now and it would blow your mind. I'm not going to do it. I could get an air horn or something and, and just have it in my pocket and all of a sudden just hit that. And you wouldn't believe. Probably everybody's thought process in here would be, it would just be blowed up, wouldn't it? You'd have to control that thought. Somebody may come up to you and maybe, maybe they look at you a little bit different. Or maybe, let, 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 well, where's Brother Allen Davis? Where's he at? Is he back there? There he is. He's back there. I'm going to use Brother Allen. I know he don't mind. Our Brother Allen's pretty busy. A lot of, he's back there. And so Brother Josh, Brother DJ, Sister Donald, they're back there in the back, and they're working the sound. All right, Sister Savannah or Sister Caitlin, whoever's playing the piano, Dad might be leading the choir, and maybe the Sunday school teacher. They're getting ready to teach, whatever, and, and uh, maybe they get called up over here. Maybe they don't get by and speak to you one service or whatever. Maybe two services. Maybe they don't get around to seeing you. And maybe the preacher, maybe you come in a few minutes later. If you come in a few minutes later, you might not, I might not be able to shake your hand. But what I'm saying is this. If you don't control your thought process, and maybe I don't, for some reason, I don't get to shake your hand. Brother Roddy, maybe I don't get to shake your hand. Now, if I do that a couple of times, there's going to be a thought go through your mind. Man, the preacher didn't even shake my hand back. Well, you, you know, Brother Allen, he, he ain't talked to me in like three weeks. 
Brother Wayne ain't talked to me yet. He's, he's never said anything to me. See, you've got to be able to control that thought process. It's not that nobody don't, it's not that somebody's got something against you, but it could just be they got other things going on. You see what I'm saying? But you've got to control that thought process. If you, don't, if you control it, you can, you can be the victor, but if you leave it uncontrolled, you can become the victim. <laughs> oh, our thought process is certainly important. You know what will cause somebody to gossip? It starts with thinking. Amen. Somebody said, well, if you, if you think it, you might as well say it. That ain't good. Husbands, you better listen to me. <laughs> wives, yeah, I don't know about the wives, but on the, I'm just telling you. Well, if you think it, you might as well say it. That ain't, that ain't good. I found out a long time ago, two most famous words you learn. That's right. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Either one of those will work. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Fellas, you better learn that. Ladies, I don't know how we got off on all that, but I'm just saying. Our thought process comes. And if you don't control your thought process, somebody's going to say something to you. If you, if you run with that, you ain't going to be a victor. You better, if you control it, you can be a victor. If you leave it uncontrolled, you'll become a victim. Yep. Amen. <laughs> you know what? You know what we ought to do with our... Th- think about evil thoughts that come our way. And you, it, think, about, think about this. If we don't annihilate, Brother Randy, those evil thoughts, those evil thoughts will annihilate us. If we don't bury those evil thoughts, those evil thoughts will bury us. If we don't convert... Those evil thoughts that are going around into something positive, they will convert you. It'll trickle on down about 18 inches right here to the heart. If you don't destroy those evil thoughts, friend, they'll destroy you. If you don't empty those evil thoughts out of your minds, friend, they'll empty you like a trash bucket. Amen. Better remember that. You better empty them Those thoughts that come to our mind, if we control them, we're in good shape. We're a victor. You know, David, the Bible even said over there, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Well, why did he, how did he get discouraged? He, basically, you can go back and look that uh, what he was talking about. Folks were talking about stoning him because Ziklag had fallen. They had taken captive all the children and all, all the adults had, or the wives had been taken away. And the people spoke of stoning him. And he became discouraged. Why is that? He thought about it. He didn't control those thoughts and be a victor. He had uncontrolled thoughts and he became a victim. And he had to be encouraged in the Lord. Think about this. You go on. If we don't finish those evil thoughts, they'll finish us. If we don't grave those evil thoughts or put them to death, they'll grave us and put us to death. Amen. If you don't handle those evil thoughts, they'll handle you. If you don't imprison those evil thoughts, they'll imprison you. If you don't junk them, they'll junk you. You don't kill them, they'll kill you. You don't lower those evil thoughts, they'll lower you, your character, your conduct, every fabric of your being. (laughs) If you don't mark them, and master those evil thoughts, they will mark and master you. You don't neglect them, they'll neglect you. You don't oppress them, they will oppress you. You don't pierce those evil thoughts, they'll pierce you. If you don't qualify to see about those thoughts, if they're proper or not, they will disqualify you. You don't restrain those evil thoughts, they'll restrain you. Amen. They sure will. If you don't snag them, snag and stop those evil thoughts, they will stop you. So many things we could say about that, about these. You go down through the alphabet. If you don't trot on them, they'll trot on you. You don't unhinge those evil thoughts, they will unhinge you. If you don't vex them, they'll end up vexing you. Amen, that's exactly right. If you don't whip them, they'll whip you. I'm telling you, that thought process, we're a product of our thinking 
Amnon didn't get this way overnight. It was something of periodically he had thought continually about it until it came to pass. You better whip those evil thoughts. You better x-ray those thoughts and expose them for what they are or they'll x-ray you and expose you for what you are when it trickles down about 18 inches into the arm. If you don't yoke them and put those evil thoughts under subjection, under a burden, man, those evil thoughts will yoke up you and will put you under a burden that you don't want to bear. If we're not zealous about them evil thoughts, it'll be zealous when they come back our way. What did it all lead to, preacher? It led to perversion. Perversion. He thought about it, the Bible says. Ain't that what it said about verse number 2? He thought hard that we're a product of our thinking. That devouring sword had come into David's life. Sister Caitlin's coming. She's she out here. Where's she at? Or did she slip? Oh, there you are. I seen somebody come out a while ago. I didn't know if it was you or not. Sister Caitlin's coming. I want you to think about this this morning. There's a lot more I could say. I can't promise you for sure we'll be back here tonight. But I know this. When I think about the life of Amnon and what he did, you see the princess, she was fair in verse 1. She ended up being forced. She was unsuspecting in all this because of the progeny that offspring of David, the firstborn. He basically said, man, the firstborn, uh, the, first, the birthright, my birthright's not enough. Well, I'll tell you what, how many of God's people, saved by the grace of God, they know the things they're looking at they shouldn't be looking at. They know the things they're listening to they shouldn't be listening to. Well, I'm just going to keep on doing it. You keep on doing that and it'll get into your mind. And if you control those thoughts and stop it, you can become a victor. But if you leave it uncontrolled, man, you'll become a victim. You'll become a victim to the course of sin. You'll be like that little wounded animal out there that that lion pounces on. He's not going to go after the healthy one. He's going to go after that one that's got an uncontrolled thought life. If you don't whip it, it's going to whip a fire out of you. But here's the good news. Say, preacher, I, I'm pretty good right now. Boy, you ought to pray for that hedge around you, around your youngins, around your grandbaby, around your neighbor, around your husband, around your wife, around your family, around your church family. We better pray that hedge around because there's a real devil that's reaping havoc all over this world. There's men, men, women, boys, and girls dying every day, lost, done, done without God. And their only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to be that light. We're to be that salt of the earth to pour into the Lord Jesus. Christ, but if we got a trash drunk for a mind and we live in an uncontrolled thought life and let that stuff come out, man, we'll be a victim. We won't be a blessing to nobody, won't be a help to nobody, but we will be a hindrance. And at the end of the day, whose fault is it? All we'll have to do is look in the mirror. Amnon, no excuse the way Amnon did. Again, you can trace it all the way back to David's sin, but he's personally responsible. Now listen, I don't know what your need is today. We deal with some heavy stuff today. We deal with sin. Sin's not a real popular message. It's not one of those messages where we're going to be swinging from the chandelier and say, Woo, glory to God. But it's where we live. What's going through your mind right now? What's been going through your mind? And you know, this is what happens. You get something on your mind, think about it when you wake up. Think about it during the day. Think about it in the evening. Maybe somebody done something to you, man. You got revenge on your mind. You got a vindictive spirit. You just you you just wishing ill. That stuff will consume you, man. Why don't you get victory? Control that. Cast down those imaginations. Second Corinthians ten verse number five tells us to do that. Cast it down. Be victorious. Don't be a victim. Amen. Conquer what's conquering you, but it's in your court. Amnon, he was the only one that could have changed course on that. He didn't need no help, but he got some from John, Jonadab, and he got bad counsel, bad advice. Oh, I beg you, seek good godly counsel. Seek counsel from the Bible. But whatever you're dealing with, there may be some secret sins. I understand it's Sunday morning. I don't know the need, but we're standing all over the house, and let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord, and I thank you for the privilege and opportunity. Lord, to share your word one more time to God. You know every need, Lord, that's in this building, God, today. Lord, we hung up there on the thought process. And Lord, I, I need help in that department. God, would you help me? Lord, to control my thoughts. Help me not to be uncontrolled. Lord, it'll go from our mind to our heart. 
I pray for that one today that may be here. Lord, may there be some secret things that they're looking at, they're listening to, things that nobody knows about, but God, you do. God, I pray that you deal with that heart. God, help them to confess that sin. Lord, above all, if there's one here today that's lost, never been saved, Lord, help them to see they're on their way to a place called hell, but all that can be avoided by trusting Christ today. God, would you do a work as only you can do during this invitation time. We'll be careful, Lord, to give you thanks and praise, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.